Welcome to Faith in Real Life, where we talk about truths of the Bible that are relevant to your life and faith. My name is Obi. I'm the pastor to young adults at First Baptist O'Fallon. And if you enjoy this podcast, please rate it on your favorite podcast app and leave a review. It helps to get the word out. Um, I wanted to begin this by saying that uh, we are going to have an important news update at the end of the episode, so please stay tuned for that. That is our um, non-shameful way of uh, making you try to listen all the way to the end. Uh, so, But you w- really will want to stay tuned for that. And uh, I am joined today by uh, two guys, Bryson and Aaron. So uh, I don't know, Josh used to have a Josh used to have a saying. He so. used to do the hello, hello. Yeah. So My thing's hey Bryson, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Doing good. Aaron? I'm doing good. Yeah. Do you think you have any type of saying that you'd like to bring to the show? At best, it's probably going to be just, hey, guys. I'm very simple. Hey, wow. guys. <laughs> wow. That, that's exciting. Kind of disappointing. I think it's disappointing. <laughs> so uh, in case people aren't familiar, Aaron is a new pastor on staff here at First Baptist. Uh, I don't know. Could we call you new still? You it's been about three months. Do so. you still feel new? Yes. You still feel definitely. new? Okay. All right. That's fair then. So he's our pastor to men, pastor to 30s and 40s as well. Um, so he kind of fits into our adult education uh, office and uh, takes care of those areas for us. And so what's it been like so far? I didn't tell you I was going to ask you that, but has it been terrible? No, it's been great. That's and good. just, yeah, just trying to meet as many people as you can. And then once you meet them, don't forget them and remember their names. And yeah, that's, that's the biggest challenge always is remembering people's names. That really is. Yeah. I wish there were an easy way to do that. I guess social media helps out a little bit as people uh, find you on Facebook or something, then you're able to. A little bit. I, there's sometimes I find myself standing off in the corner going, I, that that's so and so. That's so and so. Oh, I don't remember his name. Kim, uh, what's his name? Yeah, <laughs> Kim, your wife. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Bryson, our student pastor. So people probably already know that, but um, but in case they don't, then that's who he is. Mm-hmm. So, well, good to have you guys, and uh, we are excited. We're starting a new topic series. Um, so we'll be speaking for the next several shows on struggles, and so we'll cover things like. Um, today we're talking about struggles and finances, um, but in the future we'll talk about marital or relation relational struggles, parenting struggles, contentment struggles, fear, uh, mental health, and uh, we'll probably think of some more topics. And uh, people are f- uh, free to message into us, and we'd love to hear if you have some topics on struggles. Uh, maybe we'd consider doing a, an episode on that. Um, but we're excited to get into this, uh, have a lot of good things to talk about. So uh, we're just going to jump right into it. So to begin this, we're going to start with you, Aaron. Just kind of want to talk about your experience with financial struggles. So um, anything in your past, anything like that, uh, what's been your experience with financial struggles? Yeah. So finances is an interesting area of struggle for me. I remember when I was younger, I I was determined that I would never make a decision based on money. Uh, as I've grown older, I don't know that I can necess- necessarily say that I actually <laughs> held to that. Um, but I, as I look back, I never kinda, make any decision based on money. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like being like the sole, the sole reason why I made a decision was because of money. You oh, wait till okay. your kid. Okay. Yeah. You wait till your kids get older. Cause they're going to ask you some things <laughs> like, uh, my daughter, can I get an iPad? I'm like, um, I don't know. Can you pay for one <laughs> sole decision based on money? Yeah. So uh, looking back, I, I appreciate the, the sentiment of, of that and that, I never wanted to be controlled by money. That was kind of the sentiment mm. behind that that thought. And so um, I didn't want it to be the only thing I thought about mm. in making decisions of what job do I take or where do I live and let money be the defining factor in, in those decisions. That's kind of what I mean. You know, yeah, certainly I got you. the big life altering ones. I don't want money to 
it certainly is a part of the decision, but it shouldn't be the only part. Or so, the like, main if you part. had two jobs, one you liked, and it it was uh, didn't pay as much though, and one you didn't like, and it paid more, you don't want money to be the thing that forces you, gotcha. right? Okay. Yeah. So that that's sense. kind of that's kind of where I was coming from. And so you still may say no to your daughter if she asks for an iPad uh, later. Absolutely, she's Good call turning one in a few weeks so yeah they start early man need, she doesn't need an ipad yeah she'll chew on anything <laughs> at this age so she doesn't need to maybe a light bright <laughs> um and so like I've, I've always kind of guarded myself um against the desire to make a lot of money or at least i've tried to and certainly as a pastor who knew that he was called to ministry in high school i've always kind of known that i wouldn't be rich i wasn't going to make a lot of money um, but as time has gone on, I've realized that I still have struggles in this area. Um, and for me, it's it's always been easy to give up the potential for riches mm. and to say like, okay, I'm not going to be a professional athlete or I'm not going to be this businessman um, that or take up whatever career path that leads to a bunch a bunch of money. Like that's not in my in my future. And so it was okay to give up that. Um, that wasn't particularly hard for me. What is hard for me, and I think a lot of people. Um, can identify with is when you have to give up what you already have. Mm. Um, and so like not long ago, um, our family was faced to, was forced to make a choice and that choice involved us making far less money. Um, and so not only were we giving up potential gains, but we were also giving up things that we already had. Mm. Um, and that's a hard decision um, because you reach a point of comfort um, and you can say to yourself, well, look, I'm okay here. I can make this work but God doesn't ask you to make it work. He's the one that's going to make it work. And so you kind of have to get to that point where not only am I okay not making a lot of money, I'm okay even giving up what I have. And that's that's not easy and it's hard, but it's okay that it's hard. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. What about you, Bryson? What kind of your experience with financial struggles? Yeah, so going all the way back, so my family grew up really poor. And so one of the things you kind of learn as you kind of study about finances is you grow up with a, what's called a scarcity mindset or like an abundance mindset. And so I grew up with a scarcity mindset, um, just that feeling of never having enough. And so um, my dad had actually taught Dave Ramsey's like financial peace course in high school and things that kind of changed for my family financially by then. And I remember I had to sit through those classes and I just rolled my eyes at this dude who, you know, in my opinion, this angry old man who was yet telling me I could graduate college debt free. And are you talking about your dad or Dave? Both, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but I'm I just, sure he listens to the show. <laughs> both. No, 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 I don't know. Neither, anyway, neither. I feel I feel more if he does, I'll find out. How about that? There we go. No, but um, but we um, uh, words are hard. Sorry. Um. But I just remember thinking like, man, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. Like he, you can't graduate college debt free and all this kind of stuff. And so I kind of just did the traditional college thing. Like I, I got a credit card and maxed it out pretty quickly. Uh, I spent all my money on just frivolous things. And, you know, I, I, you know, just didn't keep track of my money, didn't put anything towards savings, took out student loans, Mm. um, eventually got a car and got a car payment that, I mean, I could technically afford it, but it was just, it, it was just a lot. And um, so Sarah and I are married for about a little over a year and we're paying at some, it was like somewhere like six or $700 a month just in debt payments. And that was like the minimum too. And I just remember just thinking like, man, there had like, this just isn't, this isn't good. Like, and I just was like, started Googling like, okay, you know, financial plans. And of course, who do I keep seeing? Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey, or Dave Ramsey. I thought, no, I'm not gonna do this. <laughs> not that angry <laughs> not guy. Not that angry guy. And so I, I started watching him 
And I'm like, I'm kind of mad about it. And then I start listening and I'm like, huh. And I told my wife, I said, you know, there might be a better plan out there. But I was like, we got to do something about this. And so we decided to go with Dave Ramsey's financial financial plan. And we chose his plan because out of all the other plans we found, his plan ends with sharing and being generous. No other plan says that. Mm. Most mm. of them are all just like build up wealth, live your best life. This was no turn around and be generous to other people. And so I, we liked that. And so for 18 months, we we did what Dave Ramsey says. We lived off rice and beans and we had no fun. And we told our friends no. And in 18 months, we paid off over $40,000 in debt. Um, and it really freed us um, to just, you know, my wife was able to do what she wanted, kind of like what you were saying, Aaron, like she worked a job because she had to, and now she had the freedom to do what she felt like she mm -hmm. wanted to do with mm -hmm. her time because money wasn't really the issue. Um, Cause we lived, we were at a place where financially we, we were fine. And, um, and just having a lot of stability in our finance, it's just, it's, it's been a, a good journey there was a lot of struggles along the way, but this is when you kind of had to grow into and learn the hard way. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, if I could pry a little bit, I know y'all love when it. I ask questions we didn't uh, plan for. I'm an open book. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so, so would you say that during that time, because we could say like the rice and beans diet and food is certainly a big cost. Mm -hmm. um, what about your housing? Were you in a very sustainable housing situation? Like it mm -hmm. was below your means. Would you say that's uh, so, fair? Yeah, I mean, so you got. We lived in Springfield, Missouri, which has some of the lowest cost of living mm. in the U.S. Um, but so I, it was. It was nice for what we were paying. I think we was like seven hundred a month. Um, it was like eight hundred square feet apartment. It was kind of newer. That included. Uh, cable and wi-fi i mean so it was a, it was a good deal financially good, for yeah. us so yeah so that helped i asked that specifically because as we get to in a, in a little bit when we talk about specific advice um, i'm going to speak to people's housing situation mm -hmm. and and so i think that's one of the biggest traps people get in that makes it hard for them so sure but we'll get into that a bit so just kind of my experience um I and you all talk about uh, paying for for college, having it covered. Maybe there is one way that you can do that, and that is enlist in the military. <laughs> and so that's what I did, and that's how I paid for my college. And um, and so when I was when I was an airman, though, uh, the Air Force or the military has a good way of paying for everything you need and nothing you don't. Uh, if you're a junior enlisted, maybe if you get higher rank, then uh, they're a little more generous. But junior enlisted, they're going to pay for everything you need and nothing you don't. And so I was putting my wife through college at the time. Mm. And we had base housing. Um, we had a, an allowance for food, things like that. So those, the necessities were covered. But um, if you like buy a car, if you uh, get a cell phone, they weren't cell phones weren't what they are nowadays, but still I had a cell phone. Um, and then you put your wife through college very quickly. Bills uh, become more than what you can pay. And I remember there was a specific time when uh, my wife and I had a bill that I was like, I actually don't know where the money is going to come mm. from to pay for this. And we were pretty responsible people. Mm -hmm. I wasn't one who had uh, I didn't have college debt. We didn't have a bunch of debt. Mm -hmm. um, we really didn't have any besides our car uh, car payment. And and still, even with that, and my wife's always been a cook. We didn't eat out all the time. So, man, we had, we had a pretty uh, conservative lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And yet we had this bill that it's like, we actually don't know how we're going to pay. And I was preaching at a revival um, at my father-in-law's church. And 
um, and they took a love offering. I hadn't been promised any pay, anything like that. And it, the love offering came back exactly what we needed Dang. to pay for the bill. And I was just like, wow, um, I, we still need to make good decisions in life, but sometimes we also just have to trust God. And so uh, for me, kind of my experience with that and going through that uh, period of life where, yeah, we had all our needs met, uh, but but you couldn't really have anything beyond that. Mm-hmm. I think my first year when we were married, uh, we had like $16,000 was our taxable income. And so it's like, you just don't have much. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought of Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, and I won't read the whole thing because that's a lot of verses. It's the le- uh, nine verses. Um, but it's the passage where Jesus tells us not to worry about our life, what we'll eat, what we'll drink. Um, he compares us to wildflowers. He compares us to all different things like that. Um and he says in verse 33, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Mm-hmm. Now, this isn't going to be a prosperity gospel type um, point that I'm making, but it is that it is saying that we have a God who will provide. And so it's not it's not saying you shouldn't plan or think or things mm-hmm. like that. But what it is saying is don't worry about the things that are outside of your control mm-hmm. and just trust God, be prayerful, seek him. Um, and if we're seeking him, we're going to have a lot of good characteristics mm-hmm. that will set us up well in life. Uh, that doesn't mean there won't be struggles. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden I had an abundance, but what it meant, meant is that when you're going through really difficult struggles, just put that trust in God. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, again, make the wise decisions, things like that, but put your trust in God. So that was one part of my experience. Then we'll flip it. So when I became an Air Force contractor, I did make good money. And there's this period of life where um, where I, I had a contractor job, my wife got a job, and then there was even like a five-month period. I think it was something like that, maybe, maybe not quite that long. Um, but where I was getting what's called terminal leave pay. It's when you have enough vacation uh, saved up. It couldn't have been five months. It must have been like a month and a half, uh, just thinking of the math of that. Um, But it it felt like a substantial amount of time where we essentially had three incomes and no kids, and we had a house that was well below our means. And so we just felt loaded. And so what I notice is when you have that kind of money coming in, then you have a way of adjusting sometimes Mm -hmm. how you live. So even if you make more money, that doesn't mean all of a sudden you have more money because you find things to spend it on. And so if a person's not disciplined, then from my experience, we could very quickly get into a position where, yeah, I'm making way more and I still am struggling. So oftentimes we don't have an income difficulty. We have an outcome (laughs) difficulty Mm -hmm. uh, where we're outputting uh, or spending more than we should. All right. So that's kind of our experiences. I want to talk next about uh, our spiritual uh, journey, I guess, if you will, or things that we've learned from faith, the Bible, a believer, um, or even, again, our experiences, but anything kind of that spiritual side of it uh, that we've learned along the way. So I want to start with you, Bryson, for this one. Yeah. One of my favorite verses uh, on finances and the Bible is not short in talking about finances, mm-hmm. uh, even though maybe pastors don't talk about it that often. But besides that, is that, that a point, shot at all the pastors at this table, sir? No, it's just a shot at pastors in general, and okay. the fact that people don't let pastors preach on what the Word of God says regarding the finances. <laughs> anyway, no Proverbs twenty-two seven says, uh, "Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is slave to the lender." And um, the reason I, I I like that verse is, and so Proverbs is a book on wisdom. And so this is this is a piece of wisdom um, that is that's being passed on from a father to a son, and just that 
like I've seen that to be so true, not only in my life, but in the lives of others. I remember when we paid off our debt, um, and this is, you know, when we, when I talk about paying off debt, I mean like non-mortgage debt, just so you just, I'm talking about consumer debt personally. And I just remember we had people in their forties and fifties just coming up to us in, in our church and just saying like, man, like I wish that we had done like what you guys did at that age, or, you know, talking about how they still had student loans and credit cards and car debt and just how they felt drowned in it. And I just remember thinking like, man, like, it really is so true. Like when you have debt to somebody else, like it's there, like that you're kind of like, you know, you're, you're owned by them in a sense. And, um, and so I, I like it because it, it reminds us that we, we, we always talk about, we want freedom in life, right? This generation talks a lot about, they want freedom to be themselves and to do what they want and all this kind of stuff. And I think one of the best ways we find freedom is by following biblical principles. And one of the principles the Bible gives us is debt is not a good thing. Mm. And um, so I don't know, that's just kind of been... It's very restrictive. It's, Man, that's a good word. It's restrictive and it, it it brings you down. Like it really does. I feel like, I think I think it starts off as like that, yeah, I can have a little bit of debt and, and that's fine. I'm not going to get into the logistics of do you have a credit card or not that. But the reality is, is anytime you do have debt, you, you, it's almost like it looms over your head. It yep. weighs on your mind. And, yep. and that's just, it doesn't bring peace. And I feel like as Christians, we're called to live set apart, set differently. So just because everyone in this world says, take on debt, take on debt, doesn't mean that that's actually a good thing or that it's a God thing. And if mm-hmm. and if a large amount of debt doesn't disrupt someone's peace, then they may have other issues of irresponsibility that right. they're just uh, averse to consequences. They right. Don't, they don't have a, a, a high awareness of consequences. Right. So yeah, yeah. good word. Well, what about you, Aaron? Yeah, so one of the biggest things I think I've learned in life is the need to hold everything with an open hand. Mm. Um, Since I've been in seminary, I don't read nearly as much as I used to. You just kind of get to a point where you don't want to read anymore because you have to read so much for class. Mm -hmm. But one of my favorite authors is A.W. Tozer. And um, The Pursuit of God is just, it's a a wonderful book. And the second chapter of that book was revolutionary for me. As I read it, um, in it, Tozer talks about the blessedness of possessing nothing. Mm. Um, and at the heart of it is this idea that we don't actually own anything. Mm-hmm. And when you when you get there, it's it's an incredible revelation in that realizing that everything we have is a gift from God. And more than that, it's really like on loan from God. Um, that there's there's going to come a time when every person will have to give up everything they have. Um, whether it's willingly through the call of God or forcefully through the pains of death, there will come a time when we have to let go of everything we have. Right. Um, and so I've come to learn that that life is far more peaceful uh, when you hold things with an open hand and That's when good. you when you freely allow God to give and take and replace and replenish, it's far better than when you try to cling to things around us. And um, it's not nearly as painful if I hand it over willingly instead of it being stripped away forcefully. Mm. And so I, I know that that can be hard to to grasp sometimes because it's so counter to our culture that the American dream runs in the complete opposite direction of, of I got to have more and success is measured in how much I have and how much I make and what I can consume. But that's not what the what the Lord says to do. That's not what we're supposed to do in our walk. Our walk with the Lord's not about how much we have or don't have. It's about how much we allow God to have us. That's good. Um, and he, he never settles for less than all of us. Mm. Yeah, I think that, I forget, I think it was someone in this building that I was talking with that uh, said something about that topic and essentially said, 
that's why one of God's cures for greed is just generosity, yeah. that he expects us to be generous. And so by being generous, it kind of cures us of those things. And you think of Second Corinthians, that God loves a cheerful giver. So even mm-hmm. how we do it, um, yeah. that he's wanting us, as you said, um, to have an open hand and just be like, it's all yours, God. What do you want me to do with it? Yeah, I mean, because the reality is we're not our own. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul Paul writes about that, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I think, says, you know, to follow Christ is to be, is to come and die. Like, mm-hmm. you you pick up your cross, you deny yourself, and you follow Him to death. Like mm-hmm. you you are crucified with Him, and that you no longer live. And so you have to come to a place where it's not about me and my own desires. Um, and finances is like the hardest thing to give up. I think mm-hmm. sometimes of like. Oh man, I really have to give, but we're called to sacrifice. That the way we worship is through sacrifice and through giving of ourselves. And so, being willing to let go of whatever it is for for the Lord is so crucial in our walk. Yeah, Bryce, I don't know if you noticed he he quoted uh, Bonhoeffer and Tozer. He is putting us to shame today. <laughs> yeah, but so. you have like five scriptures for this whole podcast, so <laughs> you true. ultimately put all of us to shame. <laughs> so you're saying my source is superior to his sources? Maybe just a little there bit. There you go. That's good. Not that your sources are bad. Just <laughs> <laughs> I like to instigate fights. It's kind of hard so. to trump scripture. You know what I mean? Yes. That's but good. those are the guys I read. I like to read dead guys. That's that's mm. my <laughs> So those are, those are where my references are going to come from. <laughs> that's fair. Um, so as I think of kind of the spiritual uh, journey that I've been on, really what comes to my mind is principles. Of course, we have, uh, like I just mentioned, trust, or like you've mentioned, um, generosity. And that may not be the full word for your answer, but kind of an openness to God to use it how um, he may. And generosity is certainly a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also considered um, kind of two sides of the coin that people may be on. And one is, I guess maybe it's vulnerabilities that we have with finances. And so one is work and responsibility. The other side of it is priorities. And so uh, I'll say work and responsibility. I have three verses I wanted to read really quick. First Timothy 5.8 says this, but if anyone does not provide for his own family, especially for his own household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And uh, just in case anybody's wondering if you heard I'm that, so Bryson sorry. just... Bryson just threw his phone on the ground. Why so. are you looking at your phone while we're talking to our audience? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Keep going. Obi. That was Talk about financial struggles. If you throw an iPhone on the ground, you you may have them soon. Um, but anyway, so if anyone does not provide for his own family, especially for his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So just to hear that in Scripture, 1 Timothy 5.8, that God expects us to provide for the people in our lives. I recently did a series. I'm, I'm doing a whole series um with our young adults called young adult health and I'm talking about various topics. And one of those was work ethic. And we are in a society that has very largely and for some good reason with COVID, uh, but very largely gone away from work. And uh, there are lots of jobs open. Mm -hmm. Um, at, At the time I was doing the research, it was like something like 10 million jobs open in the United States. I mean, it was an insane amount. And so while unemployment numbers were really high, there were at the time like a million more job openings than people unemployed. Wow. And so, Mm. I mean, it's just kind of crazy. And so as we think of finances, for Christians to know, yeah, God wants generosity. um, God wants us to trust him. He wants all those things. But God does expect us to work. Mm-hmm. There should be no confusion yeah. there that God expects us to work. Uh, in Ephesians 4.28, it says it this way, Let the thief no longer steal, 
Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. So that's kind of uh, what Dave Ramsey's getting at, right? That uh, do honest work so that you can share. So to anyone listening who's had financial struggles and maybe some of that is because you haven't gotten to work, Scripture not only tells you to work, provide for your people, but do it also so that you can be generous, Mm -hmm. that it's a biblical mandate that you work to provide for your people so that you can also be generous. And then uh, the last verse I wanted to share with this, uh, the work and responsibility portion of this, Proverbs 28, 19 says, the one who works his land will have plenty of food, but whoever chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. Mm. So along with this study, um, I, I that I was talking about for young adult health and work ethic and things. Um, I did a study on um, a, re, a little bit of research on people who live at home with their parents. And mm-hmm. this isn't to begrudge someone who has good reason to do it, um, but it was the highest percentage ever. It was the first time in the history of America that a majority of the people, it was something, I don't remember the exact age number. It was like people in like 25 and younger, hmm. uh, and maybe even a little higher than that age, lived at home with their parents. And, you know, there, there's instances like, hey, if you're going to school, if you're doing something productive, you can save money. Great. Mm-hmm. That's a good financial decision. But if you're just living at home because you're not doing anything with your life, I'm not trying to be insulting. What I am doing is saying the person who, who chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. Mm-hmm. This is scriptural to say if all a person does is sit at home, play video games, watch movies, and they're just like, life will happen to me and I'll... I'll um, I'll end up being okay. No, that's not that's not reality. The mm-hmm. reality is the one who works his land will have plenty of food. Mm-hmm. And so you say, well, I'm not a farmer. Okay, the the general statement there is the person who works will be able to provide for themselves. And if a person's just sitting at home um, playing video games, doing nothing, then they're going to have their fill of poverty. Sure. And I think for me as a young adult pastor, there is a a huge just warning that's out there for uh, people who they're not getting to work. They're, they're chasing fantasies. So that's the one side of it. That's work and responsibility. But then you can go to the other stream, right? The other extreme is, well, not only do I work, but it becomes my God. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to just quickly read first Timothy six verses six through 11. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So there needs to be a certain amount of contentment in our life, right? Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be just, I, I want more and more and more. How much is enough? more, right? That's what people mm-hmm. often think. All right, verse seven says, for we brought nothing into this world and we could take nothing out. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap and many foolish, harmful desires, which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. So I wanted to bring up these two opposite ends because there could be on one side people who are lazy and um, Mm -hmm. irresponsible and don't work. And on the other end, there could be some who are so ambitious that money has become their God. And the warning in Scripture is that you could be pierced with many sorrows. If you think that uh, money is going to be the thing that finally makes you happy or a house or a status or a mm-hmm. title. It's just not going to. Right. And scripture is very clear that either ends of those are sinful. 
The right, right way is to mm-hmm. work so that I can provide for people and have something to give. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say being rich is bad. Absolutely not. But man, if you're rich, be careful it doesn't become your God. Mm-hmm. If you're poor, be careful you're not poor because you've decided I'm not going to work. I'm not going to try anything. And now you're not able to be responsible. So, right. um, so those are kind of some of the principles that have stuck with me. And so now I want to go on to advice. So um, just want to ask you guys, what advice do you have? And it can be scripture um, and whatever. Uh, what what advice do you have for someone going through any of these types of struggles? So let's start with you, Aaron. Any advice you have? Yeah, I, there's no shortage of stories in scripture that you can point to as far as financial advice goes. But the one um, that I like to think about the most, and it kind of goes along with the the heart of what I've kind of been talking about a lot today is, Luke 18 and the story of the rich ruler. And so in that story, the the guy approaches Jesus and he asks, how do I have eternal life? And so Jesus starts to list off, he lists off about half of the 10 commandments. He lists off commandments four through eight. And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, I've done all of those since I was young. What else do I need to do? And so Jesus tells him there's one other thing. He tells him to sell all of his possessions, give them to the poor and then come follow him. And the guy can't do it. Um, he can't give it all away. And so what Jesus had revealed is that while he may have been keeping most of the commandments, he wasn't keeping the first one mm-hmm. and that money had become his God. Yep. Um, and so it wasn't actually about how much he had. It wasn't about his possessions. It was about his heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was about how much his possessions had him right. um, and that his possessions had a grip on him even more so then the other way around. And I think sometimes we come to the story and we only look at it from an outside perspective and it it leads us to say, oh man, how did you miss it? You were, you were so close. How could you not follow Jesus? But if we put ourselves in his shoes, we'll see that we can face similar struggles and mm-hmm. that it's hard to deny yourself, um, but you have to in order to follow Christ. Um, and then it means holding things with an open hand. It mm-hmm. means everything is on the table. Um, that the answer is yes before you even know what the question is. Right. Like that's that's what we're called to do. That's the place we're called to be in. And it's not an easy space to live in. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we truly do understand, as you mentioned earlier, from the passage from Matthew, that he, he feeds the birds and he clothes the lilies of the field, that we can trust that he'll do the same for us. And even if we let go of everything, we'll find out that that is true, that he really does have us in his hands. Um, now, I don't believe that the story of the rich ruler is prescriptive for everybody. I don't think Jesus is telling everybody that you need to go and sell everything you have. I don't, I don't think that that's the point. Um, but I think the point is um, you may not be called to give everything away, but you need to be ready to if he does. Yeah. Um, that you need to be willing to give whatever he asks you to give. Um, and that will be different for different people. It, it may not always look the same, but you need to have a heart that says, Whatever you ask, Lord, it's yes. Mm-hmm. Right. And especially in finances. Like, where where do you want this dollar to go? I think sometimes we we hone in on on the tithe and we think, well, if I just give the 10%, then the 90% I have left over, I can do whatever I want with. But God cares about all of that. He cares about how yep. you handle the 90% just as much as he cares about the 10% that you give to him. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be in a place where we remember that it's, it's not ours to begin with, um, that we don't actually own anything and that God owns it all and that we're essentially just renters and borrowers and stewards of what God owns. And if we remember that, then it becomes easier to loosen our grip and and not let our finances take control of our hearts. Mm-hmm. And people may not like that. They may feel like, no, but I want to, I want to cush life. I want luxury. I want to 
status and all that. And so we're kind of saying two things. One, their heart is owed to God, right? They owe allegiance to him. And then two, if they don't give it to him, not only not only will one day they have to give account for their life, but also money is a bad boss. Money is yeah. a bad, it's an unsatisfying ruler. It's an unsatisfying thing to be the God of your life, the Lord of your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, only God's the good one. So yeah, good word. What about you, Bryson? Advice, what do you got for us? Yeah, my biggest advice is just have a plan um, with your money. I always like the those who like an evil plan or <laughs> you're gonna no steal the moon <laughs> not an evil plan my gosh no take oh, over twitter my oh yeah, that's actually pretty that's popular good, right now that's a that's that a actually good. probably should have been a whole other podcast episode that was a timely reference should elon musk buy twitter by the time this comes out who knows i feel like we shouldn't weigh in on that as a church podcast so anyway besides besides talking about elon um no for the individual person you know have a plan i, I always like the um, that old adage, you know, those who fail to plan, plan to fail kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I think God gives us the money that we have. And, um, you know, it, it's something that we should be intentional with. And so, I, like I said, I, I, we picked Dave Ramsey's plan for multiple reasons um, because we liked the way it ended. Um, the steps seemed practical to us, but there's all, there's all kinds of different plans out there that you can pick and choose. And um, But I think a lot of people just kind of hope things happen or that they hope that they can figure things out. And it's like, no, I think that's something you should be intentional and you should direct. Um, and you, like you said, every dollar should should matter. Every should have a purpose. It should be, you know, prayed over. It doesn't mean every time you swipe your car, you pray like God, but you know what I mean? But you have a plan oh, for it. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. Another nothing wrong God with that. Replenish yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lord, let there be money. Swipe. Multiply like fish and bread, God. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I think in addition to that, you know, if you find yourself in a place of, you know, just, debt like a lot of lot of debt um that doesn't mean you're a bad person that you've you know that you're just like living in this blatant sin but i think that god does just have something better for you than than living trapped in debt and i mean something better called freedom from sin yeah yeah and so i think but even for me my own kind of story is you know because we became debt free because we removed some of those obstacles I think we've been we've had more room in our lives for God to do things, especially when it comes to um, different callings in our life. You know, I, I really love what you were saying earlier, Aaron, about the whole you know job thing. Like, how many people maybe if God said, "Hey, I want you to go to this job or to go to this place or go do this," they 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 feel like they can't because they're just trapped and drowned in debt. But how many how many Christians really have that freedom to say, you know what, where God calls? And there's faith, yeah, but I'm not I'm not saying anything about like this isn't about faith, but this is to say God calls and I have the room in my life to actually step into that. Um and sometimes that means sacrifice and sometimes that means more money, right? I mean it, it, it's not we're not saying it's there's a, you know, like you said a prescriptive, it's a one size fits all. God does different things in in each of our lives, but but I think for anyone listening, I think if if you're at a point where you're just finances, you're just, you know, you're at Taco Bell and you're swiping going, "Lord, please" Let there be money. Not gonna lie, I did that one time. That was that was part of my story. Um, you, you need to get a plan, and I think if you find yourself trapped or drowning in debt, um, I think that's probably one of the the best first steps for you to take. Yeah, I had this uh, guy once that I worked with. I won't give any names um, in case I'll, he listens. I'll be. Oh, he certainly doesn't listen. But <laughs> you never know. Uh, that's true. That's true. Um, I'll be vague on details for uh, that possibility as okay. well. But. <laughs> Um, he guilted me into taking him to a bookstore. He did not have his oh, driver's license story. at the time. 
And, uh, I mean, he sincerely guilted me. All, all he would have had to do is ask, but he didn't. Um, he said, you know, I'd like to go to the bookstore. It's like, is that your way of asking me? Um, so I took him to the bookstore, uh, me, him, this other guy. And so I was like, hey, I'm here. I'll buy a few books. And so I get a few books. This other guy gets a few books. And this guy comes up, the, the guy who asked me initially comes up with like seven books. And so he lays them down on the counter and he's talking to the cashier lady and she tells him how much he swipes his card. Uh, sorry, you don't have sufficient funds for that. Mm. <laughs> so he takes a book away. So, okay, try that. Sorry, you don't have sufficient funds for that. All the way down to one book. Couldn't buy one book, mm-hmm. right? And remember, he had asked me to. And so that's the unfortunate part is sometimes people don't have a plan. Mm-mm. And they're just wishing and hoping that they have money or that money works out. And that's just not wise. Nope. And now people may be in different phases and need different types of plans. So, um, Bryson, what you've subject, suggested is uh, like something like a Dave Ramsey plan can help people get out of debt. Mm-hmm. Um I wanted to give kind of principles for someone who maybe they're not in debt and they just want a strategy for um, how can I stay out of that kind of trouble and what could just be a general um, a healthy way to look at my finances. So the first thing I always mention is their house. Mm-hmm. You could eat a lot of, as you said, beans and rice, but if your house is making you house poor, mm-hmm. then you're going to be in trouble. You're going to have trouble making up that um, at any point. So a good rule of thumb for people is your house should be less than 20% of your income. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not that you'll go broke definitely if it's more, um, if you're 25, 30%, but you may have a lot more difficulties. You'll Mm -hmm. have to cut a lot more things out of your house. If you can get your house at less than 20%, you'll be more comfortable. Now, that's not to say, well, hey, my house is 17% of my income, so I can just live like crazy. That's not to say that either. Right. Um, but if you can get a house that is less than 20% of your income, you'll have an easier time budgeting. Mm-hmm. You'll have a more difficult time if it's over 20%, especially mm-hmm. as it gets higher, 30, 40, uh, heaven forbid, higher than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a second thing, so if you have that less than 20% house, is what to do with now you have uh, the rest of your money, the 80% right of your money, uh, a way to look at this is I'm going to give, uh, uh, and I would say actually 100% of this, uh, I'm going to do 10% to God, 10% to savings and investment, mm-hmm. and then I live on 80% of whatever's left, right? It's 80% is mm-hmm. left, and so my that's my true living money. That's mm-hmm. what I, um, that's how I can plan my my mortgage and what I can actually afford. That's, you're, you're probably talking about take-home pay too with that. Yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, not not what you made before yep. uh, the government took their tithe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. It's, Give unto Caesar. What is Caesar's? Yeah, yeah. This is pre more scripture for you. Man. This mm. is post Caesar money. Yeah. Right. Um. So ten percent. Uh. You want to give that to God. Just budget that in. Mm-hmm. God. Um. It is His. We've we've made that very clear that we need to just um have generosity and giving to the mission of God as part of our our walk. And so one of the ways, of course, a person can do that is giving to their local church. I think every Christian should be a member of a local church and giving uh, generously to them. But then you also have opportunities for other things that come up, such as missions that you uh, specifically feel a heart compulsion to. So living responsibly allows you that freedom. But the baseline 
should be 10. Mm-hmm. 10's just a good number. Old Testament, it was mandated. New Testament, um, it's a good idea mm-hmm. uh, to set that. Uh, so 10% to God, 10% save, invest, that type of thing. And then 80%, that's your true living money. And if people will be disciplined then with that 80% and how they, mm-hmm. they live, that'll set them up well. Um, so that's uh, that's all we're going to cover fin- for financial struggles. But as we uh, kind of teased at the beginning, we have some uh, big news, and we'll just call it Bryson news. And then a uh, couple with that, um, we had one of our listeners who suggested to us that it'd be good to hear our testimonies. We're not going to do all of those in one show, uh, but we're going to begin with Bryson since he's going to be sharing some news anyway. So Bryson, I'm just going to give you the the meta metaphorical floor. Yeah. So it's yours, sir. Yeah. No, it's, it's kind of bittersweet to share, but I will be stepping away from the Faith in Real Life podcast. Uh, because I will be moving to Denver, Colorado to be a church planter. And uh, if you're not familiar with what church planting is, um, this is where you go to an area um, in the U.S. where there is little to no gospel church presence, and um, and you start a church from the ground up. So there's no building, there's no you know uh, property, there's no people technically um, uh, attending this church right now. And so, um, but there's like one church for every like 33,000 people in Denver, um, one dispensary for every 2000 people. So, um, there's a, it's not that people aren't being reached. It's just, they're not being reached with the gospel. Mm. And so we want, we, we believe God's called us out there. Um, and so, you want me to share like my whole testimony or just like this calling part? I mean, part? give us the highlights. People are getting sleepy as they listen. Oh so my gosh, you're ridiculous. <laughs> so I, my, a bit of my testimony is I was saved um, when I was five years old and um, and uh, prayed to receive Christ. And part of it was um, I got to sit in big church and I saw someone being dunked underwater. And as a five-year-old, I just found that very fascinating. And I have a lot of questions and I uh, still have a lot of questions. So not much has changed in that regard, but... Uh, I sat down. Less with, so about salvation, hopefully. Less so about <laughs> salvation. The gospel. <laughs> and uh, so, but I sat down with my my mom, and uh, that night, and she just walked me through the gospel and explained, um, you know, that I was a sinner and that I had messed up and done bad things. That was a five year old. You know, I hadn't you know smoked pot or killed someone, but but I had messed up. I had done done bad things, and that Jesus came and lived a perfect life. He died on the cross in place of my sins. He was buried and rose again. And, you know, that if I prayed to receive him as my Lord and Savior, that um, I could have a relationship with him. And um, so I did that as a five-year-old and stayed in church uh, my whole life. But it was about teenage years, started falling away from the Lord. Um, My parents kept me in church, and I'm very thankful for that because I don't think I'd be here today if my parents hadn't kept me in church. And that's a big part of my testimony. Um, Any parents listening, don't give your kids the options of going to church when they hit teenage years, they're going to say they don't want to. Mm-hmm. They'd rather sleep in. They'd rather do something else. There's a lot more maybe exciting things on a Sunday morning to, from their perspective than church. Um, but I sit here today both in the physical presence and in just the alive presence because of some of the things I went through as a teenager um, because I think my parents kept me in church and I heard the word of God, even though I didn't like it um, at the time. And so, um, but yeah, just the Lord, you know, I, I'm not perfect and I've never, you know, um, not been struggled with something in my life, you know, from um, struggles with porn to struggles with suicide and depression and later on in life struggles with, you know, finances and relationships and just all kinds of things, you know, it's just, it's varied um, in my life, but the Lord's brought me here to this point. Uh, He's called me to go out to Denver, Colorado to be a church planter. And uh, we're just really excited to step into that, that next season of life that God's called us into. Yeah. And we're excited for you. Of course, our church is going to miss you, but um, a cool part of this is, um, 
our church is getting to kind of partner with you mm-hmm. in that. Yep. Um, so we're excited about that yeah. uh, financially, prayerfully, and then hopefully uh, maybe do some mission trips out there. Yeah. And so that's a good thing. We know that anything healthy grows and multiplies. Mm-hmm. And so for us to be sending a pastor to um, a place where there's less churches mm-hmm. and uh, less of an impact and a great need for uh, Bible-believing, Bible-centered churches. Yeah. Uh, so we're excited about that as, as we also mourn and as we also, uh, you make me do more work as personnel guy <laughs> and I have to find a new youth pastor. But, you know, I'll forgive you. I'm working on it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so, yeah. hey, we appreciate uh, people listening in. And don't worry, the podcast isn't going anywhere. Uh, Aaron's going to step in, I think, full-time, right? Yeah, that's fine. I'm not, we're not going to pay <laughs> you anymore. That's fine. I can do that. I did that I live. That. The enthusiasm behind that. Yeah, that's okay. I'll do it. <laughs> it's, it's and fun. then uh, we'll have other guests on as well. And so uh, it, it'll go on. And uh, But Bryson may be on for another. I shouldn't promise right no, now. Don't make any but, promises, man. No, I'm going to say I promise Bryson will be on for one or two more shows. And uh, and if not, then let's blame Bryson for it if he doesn't come on. That's what I would like oh to do. My gosh, I felt very personally attacked on this podcast <laughs> we'll just, episode. We'll take the podcast on the road in the future. <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> Maybe so. All right, so we're looking forward to this series on struggles. Um, we're going to talk about marital relational. Uh, that's our plan for next, to talk about those kind of struggles and then the other topics I've mentioned. Uh, So thanks for listening to the Faith in Real Life podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share with someone who needs a little faith in their life. And we'd really appreciate you rating this podcast on your favorite podcast app and leaving a review. It helps get the word out. And if you're in the O'Fallon, Illinois area, we'd love for you to stop by and visit one of our church services in a small group that we call Life Groups in person or online. And you can find out all the details about things happening in our church through social media and at fbcofound.org. And we'll see you next time. (laughs) 